You lodge in a hotel nearby, you wait. When he comes, he says, I don't want to talk to you. I'm tired. You wait patiently. He is the only one that can cure this particular illness. The next thing the man says that uh, my fee is 1.5 million. Please, sir, it's too much. He said 1.5 million or nothing. You go and look for the money. Are you getting my point? Then where is the money? Okay, toss it there, say, sit down there. And he talks to you rashly. It doesn't cross your mouth at any point in time to get up and say, Is it because of sickness? <laughs> so if you don't help me, is it not that I will die? I'm going, Joe. Even if you wanted to die, when you think of your children, <laughs> when you think of everybody, everything, just say, when somebody wants to get angry on your behalf, say, please, please, don't let him be angry. Please, don't let him be angry. Let's just pay him his money. He's the only one that can do this surgery. Please. Are you getting my point? Commitment. That's what I'm saying. This woman was committed that this is the source of help. Nowhere else. She did not even know she had faith. I'm going to emphasize something here. What you are looking for in life is actually what draws the real faith into your heart. It's not the amount of knowledge you have packed into your head. Did you get that? In her situation, the Bible says faith works by love. She wasn't asking for herself. She was concerned about her daughter. In the other fellow's situation, he was not asking for himself. He was concerned about his servant. And these are the only two people that Jesus ever said their faith was great. I'm bringing an issue here. Why did I read this? You will see that what your mind is focused on is what decides whether you can draw faith out of the heart of God. I've said it. Faith is not a method. Faith is not the amount of knowledge of scripture you have. Those, the knowledge of scripture is good and it's an advantage for your faith to work. But that's not what faith is. Faith is a spiritual substance that is received. It's a spiritual substance that is poured into your heart. So what is happening here is that these people, they did not even know they had faith. But they knew a few things. One, Jesus is the one that can help. Another thing, we need the help. This one they did not even know, but that's what God was looking at. It's not even for myself. There is something I'm looking for that's bigger than me. Listen, all the people that drop photographs of motor car on their wall, and they are looking up at it every day, you see what I will do when I finally have my car. Their faith cannot draw down anything. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's not noble. It's not noble. One of my friends, a pastor in this town, he told me a story, how he got his first car. He said, there was working for one pastor. It was like his assistant. They would go around Lagos preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. Then when that man finally settles at home, maybe around 11 p.m., he will start going back to his house. And I think, if I remember the story, where one day he prayed. He said, there are times, maybe he gets in late and all of that. He just said, God, if I had a car, I would be able to save this man better. He told me that was all he concerned himself about. He wasn't joking. He just felt at that point in time in his life, this is the work of God for me. I must assist this man to succeed in this ministry. He didn't have all the knowledge that many of us have. One day they were ministering. So one man just called him and said, I always see you hanging around this man. Don't you have any other thing you are doing? I don't know where you are getting my point. In the course of talking to, to that man, he asked him a few questions. He said, okay, see me tomorrow. Tomorrow he came to see the man. The guy gave, me, gave him car keys. Take that car, it's your own. 
so that you can get home easily. This one that you're always... He didn't know he prayed that prayer. But the Lord just brought his eyes. He said, look at that young boy. That was how it did. This faith of in the name of Jesus. I claim it. I claim it. I claim it. He didn't do it one day. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Now, many people are not realizing the principle. When they hear that testimony, they say, eh, you want a car? Save a man of God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You want a car? Save a man of God. So they get up to go and save. And God knows that all this serving, eh? All this serving, eh? It, it, look, so the man will be there first in the morning. He's there. He's working hard. Uh, morning, afternoon, and night. After five years, he's frustrated. He leaves. Why? The noble thing in his heart that God saw, that is the noble thing that God saw in the heart of the other man is not in his own at all. And that was what drew faith. That was why God poured faith so he could pray a sincere prayer and a short while God answered it. That's why I was saying, what you are looking for in life, actually, is what decides whether you can receive faith or you can't. When we began this short series on the, the pursuit and the purpose of faith, we read from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And we said, what did people use faith for? What did they use faith for? We listed a number of things. One, you, with faith you discover destiny. Another reason, thing you do with faith, with faith you activate what? Promises. Or oh, this is how we ordered it. One, you discover destiny. Two, you fulfill that destiny. And three, you activate promises. These two people we are talking about here, they were not focused on, let me get faith. They were focused on, let me solve a problem for somebody. And as long as they were focused on those things, faith fell into their hearts automatically. We're talking about how do we get faith. Many times we sit down and say, let me get faith. Faith does not come. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because what is the purpose of it? Faith seeps into the heart automatically if we are rightly related with God. I've already explained that when God's word is, you understand that this is my life, your heart is open for God to pour faith into it. I've already explained that. What are you looking for in life? What is the purpose of your life? You know, this is where we began this from. Now we are going back to it so that we might end it there. I want to explain to believers again. You know, when I started teaching in this place, when I started Kingdom World Ministry, the first set of teachings I did was titled, Man on Assignment. And I'm back to it again. Even though this time around, we're not teaching it for a very long time. I want to just explain again that if you want your faith to be great, drop all of these things that were childhood things for which people thought that's the only thing you use faith for. Faith to get promotion in my office. God says, let us sit down and discuss. Or what is the promotion about? If it's ah, look at it now. Ambrose has been promoted. When did Philip get here? He's been promoted. I can't sit down here and I will not be promoted. Why? <laughs> Are you getting my point? You discuss like that, the Lord is not answering you, in all honesty. Activate all the principles. Draw the increase on the wall. So every morning you look at it, say, this is step five. By next year, I get into step seven. I declare, I confess, I realize that by next year, along the line, I explain that there's a difference between spiritism and spirituality. Another word we use for spiritism is spiritualism. 
that there's a difference between that and spirituality. It is possible to operate some strange spiritual laws and get certain results. That's not faith. If you use some of those principles to climb to a high level, you only climb to a level you can fall from. And one day, certainly, you will fall. Let me tell you the kind of people that activate faith for promotion. They are at a particular level. They are doing good in the office. Very good example, Joseph. And then every day in the office, they say, okay, how do we do this? Ah, that's for my boss. I can't do that. That's beyond my powers. And then one day, the Lord just tickles him and says, what if you are the boss? I don't know where I get the point. Say, so, ah, no, we'll be able to expand this amount of good. Then suddenly a thought comes to his mind and says, in the next three years, you'll be the one heading this company. Then one day somebody says, it's somewhere, somebody's preaching, or is reading the scriptures, and the, word comes, the Lord says, somebody's about to experience increase. If it is you, say amen. Ah, the guy suddenly desires increase, and says amen. And his faith is so strong, he understands that no increase is coming. I don't even know from which direction. Before he knows what's happening, before the end of that year, three weeks later, not even the end of that year, you hear there's some shaking in the office. God removes everybody above him. They now say, what do we do? Somebody says, that young man is the only person we can trust to do this. Okay, put him there in acting capacity. He asked for six months. Say, what are we waiting for? Confirm him. Then suddenly remembers that three years ago, this thought came to my mind. That one day I'll head this company. You know what God saw? God saw that this man's desire for position was so that he can use his influence to increase the amount of good that he can do in that environment. Are you getting the point I'm making? That is how faith comes. Faith is poured by God. It's not something you learn. That is how it comes. That is how it comes. Now, people don't realize... Of course, you know, there's another problem we have in this life. That young man, he's not even a good teacher of faith. Because the fact that you have experienced something does not mean you can teach it. Because the Bible says he himself, it happens, may not know how. Then I say, oh, how did you get here? He didn't remember the day he said, ah, this is what I would love to do. Because to him, it was trivia. It was not a serious thing. He was eating with a friend of his. And that one said that, what's going on in your office? And he poured his heart to that person. That fellow is not God. He did not think he was praying. But the Bible said, those who feared the Lord, they spoke off one to another and the Lord heard. That was when God heard and a book of remembrance was written that day. It was written at a restaurant. It was written while they were watching a football match. It was written after a church service. The book of remembrance was written. He did not even... I've told you, many of the things that we consciously do, they don't count. Many things that we deliberately and consciously do, they don't count. The times we do the things that really count, we don't know we are doing anything. We don't know we are doing anything. We are just living normally. We just, you're just talking to your friend. You're just talking to your mom. Just talking to your uncle. How is work? How is your office? My office. Well, we are okay. Oh, these are the problems we are having. I'm just praying that God will give me the opportunity to be able to do this. And God writes it down. When he goes to church and says, somebody declare, what will God do for you this year? This year, I need this now. I need, I need promotion. This year, I need the God is not listening. It's when people are talking with one another. They don't even realize they are making life-altering life statements. They just are inside the car, just parked, waiting for somebody. 
and they're just discussing with their friends. Just discussing with a, with, with, with a neighbor. Just discussing with a cousin. And there's an angel there taking notes. The Bible says the Lord heard it and a book of remembrance was written. Are you getting the point I'm trying to make here? Listen, those two people, I use them to explain the fact that it is not the person that's pursuing I need great faith that actually gets it. What is a believer supposed to pursue? We, look, we saw the example from the book of Hebrews chapter 11. First of all, what's destiny? Let me say it to you again. I just want to say that again. Sometimes you think every Christian knows it, but sometimes they talk, you realize they don't all know it. You want to make a decision. Country is hard now. It's a matter of fact. Physically speaking, there's turmoil. Hey, do you know that? In the country? I'm not afraid though. You know why I'm not afraid? Because Jesus commanded, do not let your heart be troubled. Jesus does not give advice. I hope you get my point. He doesn't give advice. Say, ah, Chris, there's no need now. How you could just let your heart be troubled like that? It's not good though. He doesn't give advice. He said, let not your heart be troubled. It's a commandment. Anytime he wants to talk to people, he says, fear not. It's a commandment. If you see bad news, First settle down and say, I will not be afraid. The Lord Jesus said, I will not be afraid. If you're in your house at night, suddenly you hear knocks on your door at 2 a.m. And you hear a gunshot. Of course, this is Nigeria. Are you getting my point? The first, you can't call 911. Do you know the number? Do you have anything like 911? Just by the way, police actually have numbers you can call. But Nigerians don't have it in their minds. The numbers are so long. It's 0806552927. You know, you can't remember it. Are you getting my point? You live in an area where your neighbors are a bit far away. I'm just imagining it. And then you hear knocks, bang, bang, bang. And then you hear a gunshot, twa, twa. The experience, the stories you have heard is ah, what? Armed robbers. And then he starts saying, Do I have money at home? Where do I hide? All those stories. And I want to give you a word today. If you ever have any such experience, the first thing you should say is, the Lord said, do not be afraid. Listen, it's crucial. If fear was not deadly, God wouldn't warn about it all the time. He saw his disciples on the waters. Of course, the sea was turbulent and he was walking past. When they finally encountered each other, he said, do not be afraid. It is I. It's crucial. I feel like dropping that word again. We used it to, in our school of prayer a few months ago, we studied that. If I we titled it, it is I, or it is he, do not be afraid. I am saying to you again, when you see turmoil around your life as a believer, don't be afraid. Just say it is the Lord. Did you hear what I said? If you hear those knocks at night, tell yourself it is the Lord. No need to be afraid. Is that issue is the Lord? Listen, when the sea was tumultuous like that, it, was normally, it normally drowns people. Are you getting my point? So the fact that it's a gunshot, it doesn't mean it's not the Lord. Listen, if your brake fails, you are speeding on the highway, you press the brake, so it has failed. You know what you say? I will not be afraid, it is the Lord. <laughs> I don't know what I get my point. That fear must be killed deliberately. Very, very important. That fear must be killed. Now, I digress into that trying to say that I realize that there is trouble around. Then, of course, Price of crude, it goes up and down. Nigeria uses, gets most of its forest from crude. That is there. Two major airlines pulled out of Nigeria last week. 
or this week. British Airways, they cut down their flights because they said they have too much money trapped in the Nigerian banks that they can't remove from the country. That's what they do when it gets to the point that they, most of them, they don't fly to Venezuela again, most of them. That's the last month or so. They shut down Venezuela. It's worse in Venezuela than here. Yes. That's another thing. Our tomato matter day. Then Chooks told me the other day that even corn, that corn also, his own plague came. So corn harvest for this year is threatened. On top of that, fuel price went to 145. Now you have to buy it to fuel your car and fuel your generator. Because there's no power. Listen, you have to wake up every morning and start declaring, in Jesus' name I live in Goshen. These plagues are too many. <laughs> now, no, God has to create a Goshen spiritually around us. He has to. He has a choice of two. About God, we are talking about you. He has, <laughs> he has a choice of two. Either he ends the plagues, puts us in Goshen. Are you getting my point? Now, there's a reason why I went into all of this. I'm talking about, talking about destiny. So we have all these experiences, okay? The first response of every human being is life is better where? Abroad. That's the first response of the average Nigerian. I have come to tell you today that is a wrong response for a believer. Do you know why? Situation of the economy does not decide your destiny. God didn't send you to this life to enjoy. He knew that sometimes distress will come. And he commands that a true soldier of Christ learn to endure hardship. I'll talk about prosperity. I don't know, but sometime this year, I plan to do that. One of the things that God does for us believers is that in a time of distress, he can decide that, listen, nothing, it won't affect you at all. Or most times he say, no, it will affect you, small. what do you mean? I want you to learn how to abase. There's a principle. I want you to learn how to abase. You tell, listen, that ice cream you are eating is too expensive. And the one people think that, uh, by afraid that I eat cold stone. Listen, my friend, you will say to <laughs> I know what I'm telling you. There are things that if you eat, God will be angry. It sounds funny. There are things you will eat at certain times, and the Lord will be angry. Why? You are breaking the principle of abysm. Tomato is expensive, right? If I tell you this, you surprise you. Oh, no, it's not surprising. There are two ways to respond. God can sometimes say, I'll give you supernatural tomato. If it doesn't, he said, go and learn how to cook without it. Listen, people don't realize it. That lesson for him is important. He could have given you everything. He can do it. He can run it from heaven. When Israel threatened him, you understand? He showed them that if it's meat, let me prove to you that meat is not a problem. So he rained meat from heaven. He says, if food you want to eat, eat meat. When I gave you manna, I wanted you to eat manna. There's a reason. It wasn't because I could not produce meat. It is just important that right now you eat only manna. When they started whining, they said, okay, okay, that's the way you want it. All right, fill the land with meat. They ate meat. They were tired of it. God drowned their soul in meat. You know what I was trying to say to them? Providing meat was never a problem. When I chose manna, there's a reason. I need you to be able to eat manna and be happy. 
I need you to be able to tap the spiritual substance that manna carries. Listen, let me, let me, let's get practical, alright? Some things. You can pray for a car. Say, God, I need a car, I need a car, I need a car. And God says, I've heard. First month passes, the car doesn't come. Second month passes, the car doesn't come. First year passes, it does not show up. You know what? You know what God is waiting for? God is saying, until that car starts being a prayer point, you won't get it. So what is he saying I should do? He says, until you take a keke and you rejoice with gladness that you are able to take a keke. Until you enter a bus and you sing throughout the journey. Until you come down from a bus and your friend parks beside you and he just bought a brand new Toyota Corolla. And nothing in your body moves more than, oh, this thing is fine, congrats. Until you get to that point, I will not give you a car. If I do, you have missed a lesson eternally. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You may look at it and, okay, eh, okay, now I finally got it. There are things that you get. You have lost an eternal substance you don't know. Listen, when it comes to prayer, be careful. You can harass God and get anything. I've read the scriptures enough. You can harass God. When you finish harassing, you say, okay, that's the way you want it to take. But anything God gives you like that does not bless you. Every affliction in life, there is a lesson in it. I said something to us before. God is more interested in the spiritual lessons than the outward blessings. It is more important to him that you learn the right things than the fact that you are blessed materially. In every situation in life, you have to ask yourself, what is my lesson here? Be- Listen, like I told you, you are asking God for something. You've asked him first year, second year. Yeah, just keep quiet. He has heard you. He's not deaf. And Paul said, the first thing he gives is what? The peace of God that passes on understanding. So claim that one by faith. And relax. And relax. And relax. And relax. If you don't relax... If- once- Look, listen. Manna was not funny. Manna was one food. Seven days a week. I know manna is boring. But God says, I know why I chose manna. I could have made it manna in the morning and quail at night for the first two days. The following day, it will be corn and wheat and barley. And they will not put fura. You understand my point? <laughs> to balance it. God could, listen, let me tell you something about the Lord. That was as easy to do as any other thing. So when he didn't do it, this is how a believer should react. There must be wisdom in what he's doing. There must be wisdom. He expected them to eat manna and be happy. I told you once, when I first met Pastor Paul, well, I didn't meet him personally, but I read one of his writings. He wrote something in there which I said, this is strange. This is deep. I didn't know what he meant. Until earlier on this year or sometime last year. He said the reason why Joshua believed and Caleb believed was that they were eating manna and they were not looking for meat. That was a statement he made. The title of that teaching was Manna, the Food of Champions. He said the reason why Joshua and Caleb 
could believe was that they were eating manna. And it was all the manna eating that allowed Caleb to remain strong. I said, well, let's go and hear some more. <laughs> you get my point. It was later on I realized that, yes, if, it's difficult to be dogmatic about it, but I believe it totally now. What I'm saying is, if Israel had eaten manna and rejoiced in eating manna, they would have seen the giants and run after the giants. Are you getting my point? If they are settled down with what God gave them each season of their lives, when challenges will come, they will have found strength in their heart to overcome the challenges. Listen, all this whining and believing God by force for what he doesn't want to give yet is one reason why your company will end up at $10 million. It looks big to you, but God said, I will have made you one of the people false will have been writing as the top 20 richest men on this earth. But you whine so much, I can't bless you more than this. And it will shock some people when I say this. Listen, you get to a season in life no, sorry, I'm trying to clarify whether I should say it this way. It gets to a season in life. Hmm? What you have lost, you have lost permanently. You can't be reversed. It gets to that season. It gets to that season. You know what I'm going to say? You have to be careful. This interesting part, you won't know. So if you are still thinking that it has happened to me, let me assure you it hasn't. Every point in life, there is something God wants you to pass through and something he wants you to learn. If you say, no, I'm not interested again, he ends the lesson. He takes you to the next level, but you can never hit the top of that next level. You have left that class. You rejected the lessons because I will not force you. But by that, you have capped your ability to excel. That's why he talked about 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Many people are capped at tenfold. This is a painful part. Tenfold is so glorious when you are among sinners. Tenfold is so glorious when you are among people with no fold. You are getting my lesson, my point. Tenfold is so glorious. You will be giving testimonies and people will be following you. This man who I quote all the time because I read him so much, listen to him all the time, can I hear him? He said, the Lord said to him once, when you left your last church, you entered into the first phase of your ministry. He now said, of course, he was shocked. He said, by that time, he had been preaching for a total of 15 years. 12 years pastoring, 3 years as a moving around evangelist. He said, the Lord said to him, you have been, you entered the first phase after 15 years of preaching. He started young anyway. It was about 18 when he started. So it was 30-something when he began the ministry that God had for him. He said, the Lord now said something to him, which is why I'm talking about it. That many people live and they die. They never ever enter anyone at all. Many of them preachers. Let me digress again and say something. This entering ministry, entering phase of ministry, is not only for preachers. Are you getting my point? It's for every individual that's a believer. Every single one, your life is a ministry and it has phases. Another thing, let me quickly say something about another thing about the phases. You don't know. Listen, Okemote's phase, the phasing of his life, is not the same one as Banky's phasing of my life. Are you getting my point? We may share the same birthday. That's where it ends up. What Joshua, uh, Joseph did at a particular age was not what Moses did. The second phase of the life of, Mo- of, Joseph, of Joseph was in the house of Potiphar. Let's just assume that was the second. 
No, no, that's not the second time. That's the first. Before that, I was in no fees. When the men sent him into ministry, his brothers, <laughs> not by ministry, when they sold him to slavery, that was the first phase. The second phase was when they sent him into prison. The third phase was when he came out of prison and entered the service of, um, the service of Pharaoh. And the fourth phase was when his father arrived and the people of Israel. That's as much as I can count. Are you getting my point? Moses, his first phase was when God called him with the burning bush. Every other thing before that time was confusion phase, no phase. Do, do you understand? Zeal phase. The real phase of his ministry was when God called him and said, come you, and began to send him. That was an old man. At that age, Joseph was in the fourth phase of his ministry. So, because I hear people, you know, people write funny articles. At your age, Obafemi Awolo was the premier. At your age, Wole Shoyunka, he wrote the play that was read. At your age, Gaddafi plotted the coup. At your age, listen, don't let anybody confuse you. Are you getting my point? Forget that thing. The daddy, I was telling you, I was talking to my father in the one in turned 70. He says, an old man. I said, daddy, forget that thing. You are not old. At your age, they are not yet called Abraham. So get ready, they will soon call you. <laughs> Don't come and deceive us that you are old. You are not old at all. You are not old. He had, he had to ask me, he said, Banky, are you sure they counted that thing well? I said, Daddy, they had that thing. <laughs> I said, Daddy, they had astronomers that time also. They had astronomers. They were watching this. They had seasons. They, 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 were has, they knew about planting. So they could count years. So when they said the man was 75, he was the 75. Mm. I said, so forget. Don't even come and say, you know, now I'm old. Time to relax and start having bone pain. There's nothing like that. No, that, that's, what, that's how we reason. I told you about the story of a man I read. At that at the age of 70, he had not yet started running a marathon. He hadn't started. He started when his wife died. When he was like 75, something between 75 and 78. When he was depressed, they said to come out of depression, start running. He started doing half marathon. 20, and that's, half marathon is 21 kilometers. You know they call 21 kilometers? Start from here, start heading for Juriba. At the age of 75. Look, let me get back to my point. My point, I just wanted to drop this for everybody. One, we all have ministry. Somebody say Amen. Don't let preachers give you the impression that they are, they are the only ones. We all have ministry. All our ministries have phases. The teacher, you have different phases in your ministry. The businessman, you have different phases in your ministry. The politician, you have different phases in your ministry. In fact, this is my persuasion. I may be wrong. You can disagree with this and you will still be good friends and you may end up being right and I will end up being wrong. I don't even believe that anybody was, God woke him up in the morning and said, thou shalt be a politician. I believe being a politician is a phase in many people's ministry. I don't, I don't know where I get my point. Did you see how I, I, how I connected it? Many of them, in the first phase, they are school teachers. In the first phase, on the earlier phases, they are businessmen. In the earlier phases, they are lawyers. In the earlier phases, 
They are, you know, all kinds of things. In some places, they are housewives. You say, how can a housewife become a politician? Go to America and ask Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin was, one day I told my wife, I said, you want the, you'll be a big woman. She said, why? I said, because currently you are the chairperson of the school, PTA, of your children's school. She said so. I said, that's how Sarah Palin started. She was chairperson of PTA. Can you believe that? She was just a normal woman, chairperson of PTA. From there, she became something like a local government councillor or something, then went to the state legislature, then from there, went to the Senate, and from there, they said, let's look for a woman, okay, to take the votes. They wanted to collect the votes that Hillary Clinton lost, that, that belonged to Hillary Clinton, but she lost to Barack Obama in the primaries. They said, how do we get the women that voted for Hillary Clinton? To vote for John McCain. So they looked for a, polit- a woman to make his running mate. That was how Sarah Pelley entered into national limelight. The early phases of her ministry, she was a housewife. Now, the history is that she was the first female running mate in the presidential election in the United States. Now, she's a strong voice in the Republican Party, one of the leaders of what they called their Tea Party at that time. She was a, the chairperson of a school parents teachers association, which my wife currently is. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. I know where I went into all of this. I know I, I, I marked it so that I can go back there and close. They will pick it up from there. Now, the point I was making earlier is that how you perform in the next phase is strongly determined by how well you accepted the lessons of the previous phase. Many people, when they were chairpersons of PTA, they are looking at, is this what my mates are doing? Instead of them to put their energy in there, they are praying, say, God, you give me a big business. God said, listen, just do PTA chairmanship. From here, I know where we are going. He said, no. He leave the school and say, I can't do PTA chairman here again. What are you going to do? I beg. I'm going to start a business of my own. Don't you know Mary Kay was a woman? She became a billionaire. Don't you know that uh, Oprah Winfrey is a woman? She became a billionaire. You count all the women. The, how many of them became billionaires by, work, by being chairperson of PTA? Right now, my destiny is beyond that level in the name of Jesus. And somebody says that, claim it, claim it. And they discard the manner that God gave them and start eating rubbish meat. After a while, God says, no problem. That's the way you want it. Close that level. Let's go to the next level. Next level. He makes some money. Don't forget, as a businesswoman, she makes some money. Get to the next level. And because God had predetermined that she would enter into politics, she would get in there and start losing every election. And many people lost elections like that. They disappeared from prominence. We've never heard of them. Many. Why? Because in that phase of eating manna, they rejected manna. They were feeding on other things. I'm talking about faith, using faith to discover destiny. Let me tell you something about faith. Sometimes when your life looks like shame is there. Are you, you know what they call shame? Yeah. It is by faith you refuse to be ashamed. Oh my God. I pray you get my point. Yes, by faith you refuse to be ashamed. 
you know, my, my classmates are planning um, a reunion plus a special alumni event. They are leaving all our classmates. <laughs> I saw one another of my classmates the other time I went to Newey. He said, Banky, did you hear how much they said they will pay? <laughs> I said, I heard though. He said, they think all of us have that kind of money. <laughs> Mom was complaining. Let me tell you as an example. The wife of one of the richest Nigerians was my classmate. So if I go for that reunion, I expect her to be there. I had a classmate, the best student in my class. He never practiced one day. He writes on petroleum industry for this day. The guy left everybody and went to the guy carry injection. The guy looked injection and said, what's going on? How many people like injection before I become a millionaire? The guy... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, no I'm, I'm not joking. This was my best. Yes, we left school. The guy looked at the syringe, looked at everything. <laughs> Said this one. We're doing the union. I, imagine he comes. He's the kind of person that may have flown down in a private jet. I hope you are getting my point. These are my classmates. Too. And they are doing 25. So they said this. So I went, I went to that day. I saw my friend. Did you see how much they said we should pay? I said, how much? Okay, well, they pay us more small now. No, they pay us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my father in heaven. <laughs> so they say it's 25th anniversary. So we're sitting there. In fact, one of my classmates the other day, to make you laugh. No, not my classmates, one of my colleagues, his own classmates. When he wanted to do their own 25th, they said everybody meet in Dubai. He did their work at Sheikh. <laughs> Everybody should meet in Dubai. Is there if you are not serious? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the colleagues, friends are everywhere. So, they say, okay, they like love, not following you. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, why am I telling all of these stories? Sometimes, eh, you will get to a place like that, and your classmates will arrive. Like I told you, the wife of one of the richest Nigerians is my classmate. Many of my classmates are professors. Many. Some of them have extremely, in fact, one the other day, another one from America called me. This naira and dollar thing you guys are coming about, it's not affecting this man. Listen, you will go for a reunion in which, just for the interest of peace, that car you thought you had, you leave it at home. So that when they say, you didn't come with your car, he said, no, no, I came with a taxi. You know, <laughs> you pronounce the taxi in such a manner as if now you back car carry you come. <laughs> Not feeling very happy. You getting my point? I'm talking about faith. That's why you use faith. You will stand there in the morning as you are going and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am not ashamed. I'm following my destiny. A man's life and a woman too does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. You will declare it loud. Listen, until you get to that level in life, you're not ready to be blessed by God. Tell you the truth. That's what faith does for you. Now, I started this by saying that there's, there's calamity, there's trouble everywhere. It is by faith you will sit down and say, Yes, it is time for abasing. The other day, well, I don't know, let me just share it here. Not this, not, there's no shame in it. Omega Channel that we broadcast on, we pay them in US dollars. They kept asking them, I told guys, I called Omega and I said, Stop broadcasting us. Okay, we can't pay again. What's it? By faith, I can decide to use faith that will go pay no matter what in the name of Jesus. That's one level of faith. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I said, no, I'm not paying again. Ah, the people said, no, the devil is a liar. Now they, now they opened their mouth, said the devil is a liar. It wasn't me. 
Ask Israel. Listen, the devil is a liar. I said, well, if the devil is a liar, let's talk it in, a, in financial terms. Because this devil is a liar thing. You tell him the devil is a liar, you're still asking for your money complete. <laughs> After a while, we agreed. That, uh, so, we kept on broadcasting. Dollar kept on climbing, climbing, climbing. The last week, the, when things went, I just called guys. Guys, guys, let's decide. What do we do? Should we pull out this? My, even my wife said no. What do I say? Let's, let's have, our program is one hour. And we're one of the few people that do an hour. Go and watch it. Most will do 30 minutes. I said, well, no problem. Call them, Israel. Tell them, turn into 30 minutes. At that 30 minutes, we'll be paying exactly what we were paying before. For the, yes, because when we began, the dollar was 120. It's not the Bible called abasing. It's not, it's not lack of faith sometimes. You say, the Paul said, I learned to abound and I learned to abase. What I'm going to say, instead of departing away from the place of your destiny, learn how to abase there. Instead of running from here and he said, God planted in Enugu, you want to disappear to Los Angeles just because dollar is hard and the naira is hard. Things are rough. They are taking light. Learn how to abyss. Ah, the doctor said, for a whole month in my house, we're not drinking cold water. It will surprise you because Nepal didn't have, Nepal was not giving us light. So I want to eat. My wife said, the water is not cold. I said, no problem. She is still water. I go drink calm. There's no problem. Because we're using generator 10 hours a day. So most times you come in the evening, and of course, because of the way it is, you don't want to thaw the things in the freezer. So they stop packing water inside the water. Won't I drink water? I thank God for my house. I throw my window wide open because the generator has to go up at a particular point in time. But I will not leave because of that run away from here and go to where light is constant. I will not. I was born to preach in Enugu, at least in this season. Things are rough will not move me. That's the point I'm making. Difficult times won't drive me up and down. Difficult times come, I retrospect. You know what I'm saying? You go back in, you sit down. God was introspect, I went to say. You sit down and say, Lord, what is going on? What is the lesson? What are we supposed to be doing in this season? We learn that. Then we toughen ourselves to survive that hard time. We toughen ourselves. There are things you used to do. You say, you are praying for money. God said, look, come on, trim down your expenses. What's your problem? Trim down your expenses. That's what the Bible learned how to what? Abyss. Faith is not just to claim something. I'm going somewhere. No, we'll continue for that point. What I want to emphasize is this. Listen. Faith enters your heart depending on what you are going for. The first thing we said is by faith we go for destiny. Yes, things are rough. Tomato is difficult to find. We eat something else. When the wilderness, all we can find is manna. We will eat the manna with thanksgiving. And I said to you before, as a matter of fact, if you take manna, and you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for manna. The flavor will change. I'm not kidding about that. Today you will eat it, it will taste like chicken. Tomorrow you come out, it will taste like rice. The following day you come out, it tastes like well-baked cake. This is the same manna we thank the Lord. You, Thanksgiving, oh my Father, Thanksgiving is one of the most important habits you must create. The transformer in my street spoiled for a whole month. We didn't have light. Then they brought it last week. It lasted two days. One part, the one supplying our area, went to wire again. This afternoon, after we finished meeting here, I got to the house. I wanted them to put on the gen. Why did they put on the gen? At the point, I just stood. I just stood, faced my window. That direction where the transformer is. I didn't pray for the transformer. I didn't pray for PHCN, EEDC. I just stood there. I said, Father, I want to thank you that this generator is working. I thank you because I can buy the fuel. That's all. The gen came on. 
It was until I came for Bible study. Are you getting my point? We learn how to what? Abyss. But we will never depart from destiny. Because of constant power, I won't run away from where I'm supposed to be preaching. The other day I told my friend, he said, ah, he said what do you do? I said, ah, I, I, I travel, I go to Makodi. What do you do? I said, I go there to preach. Every Sunday. I said, yes. He said, hey, you, didn't, you mean the Lord didn't lead you to go and start the church in America? <laughs> yeah, because he knows that's how most Nigerians reason. He was surprised that I said I go to Makodi every Sunday to go and preach. That like, what's dragging you to Makodi? You couldn't even go to Portacot every Sunday. By faith, we take difficult times. Salah is not coming regularly. Let me just tell you something. And I close with it. It's just for a season. It's just for a season. It's just for a season. God is separating, like we say, the men from the boys. When God wants to purify people, it's in the fullness of affliction. That's why he purifies. He doesn't purify people, you wear things that are clean, you know, everything is hunky-dory. No. It's in the fullness of affliction. That is where he purifies people. So when affliction comes, you survive your time of affliction by faith. That's what I'm making. If you are going for faith like that, you are going for destiny like that, faith is poured into your heart. Listen, the people that had great faith with Jesus, they did not even know there was a concept called faith. Just check my time. I realize it's really gone. Let's bow down here. Let me stop it right there. and pick it up from that place. Commit your life again to destiny. Say, God, there's a reason you gave me life. There is a reason. There is a reason. Say, Lord, there's a reason you gave me life.